2: As gas prices continue to soar, the White House looks to reframe its economic messaging. As President Biden's approval ratings sink lower, Democrats fear this could dash any hope of retaining their majorities this November. Meanwhile, the January 6th committee prepares to hold its first public hearings on Thursday in primetime, hiring former ABC News President James Goldston to produce the hearings, which will be held at night. For more on these stories... We bring in our panel, former South Carolina congressman, host of the Trey Gowdy podcast, Trey Gowdy, founding executive director of Georgetown University's Institute of Politics and Public Service, Mo Alethe, and Fox News congressional correspondent Chad Pergram. Chad, it's busy over there on the Hill. Um, the, The thing that's pressing seems to be the gun negotiation. Is there a sense that that's moving forward?
0: Moving forward might not be the best description, but it is, in fact, moving. The fact that they continue to talk. It was uh, important that the Democratic senator from Connecticut, Chris Murphy, went to the White House. That was kind of just to dial in the president where they are, but also kind of a wink and the nod. And also Joe Biden knows this, not to get too involved in these talks right now because they are very delicate here. Uh, you know, both uh, the Democratic leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, has indicated that he's willing to give uh, Murphy and his uh, Republican counterpart some breathing space here to get this done. No hard deadlines, you know, kind of, you know, backing off. I asked uh, Chuck Schumer just a few moments ago, if they came back with an agreement that might not be palatable to liberal Democrats, would that blow it up? And, and he said, well, I can't imagine them coming back with something that lacked teeth. And by the same token, I asked uh, the uh, Senate minority leader, Mitch McConnell, you know, if there was just going to be a minority of Republicans uh, that might support this and, and whether or not, uh, you know, the Democrats would have to carry most of the freight there. And could that potentially doom this. And he said he would like to see them get to an agreement. So as long as they're talking, that's good. And I will point out again, that this is the most significant uh, set of gun talks they have had probably back to Virginia Tech and maybe even back to Columbine. I mean, you know, it took them four months to even have votes related to firearms after Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook happened in December of 2012, and the Senate never even took up uh, any votes on this until April of 13. So just the fact that they are talking, and so far no major hiccups that we see, but it's probably going to be a very narrow bill, Brett, and they will probably lose members at the margins. The most liberal Democrats might jump off. The most conservative Republicans might jump off. They need something in that sweet middle.
2: Well, I'm asked all the time, is this different? Is this time different? And uh... I often say, I don't know. One of the headwinds is that we are this close to a midterm election in November. And, you know, both sides in their political angles want issues to campaign on. They want bumper stickers and um, on both sides of the issue. But it does feel a little different in the negotiations that are happening so far.
3: Yeah. And, you know, usually these types of conversations go nowhere this close to an election. But in some way, maybe the fact that we're this close to an election actually is is giving uh, the conversations a little bit of traction. You know, I think people are tired. They're tired of seeing this kind of mass violence. They are exhausted by the constant headlines. The fact that you had Uvalde on the heels of Buffalo fact that it was another massacre with so many uh children as victims you know this is an issue that that a lot of people care about and there is a middle ground there is a place here where where progressives and conservatives can meet and can and can agree maybe the fact that we're headed into an election is actually going to be motivation for some folks on the hill um to to create some goodwill with, with voters as well as take a bludgeon away from the other side, uh, politically, uh, to, to the benefit of public safety.
2: Trey, if they do come up with something and it's going to be some kind of compromise around the edges, not, not significant change, you know, it's going to, it's going to be some negotiated change. Um, Is that going to be something that people could look at and say, well, that potentially could stop the next one?
1: Yeah, Brett, you put your finger on the question. I mean, what law currently on the books, if enforced, would prevent the next mass killing? What idea not currently codified, if codified, would prevent the next mass killing? I mean, there has to be a causal connection. And at least when I was in Congress, some of the solutions being discussed, while they may have had their own merit, there was no causal connection to preventing the next mass shooting. I Background checks, I, for the life of me as a former gun prosecutor, I don't understand why a convicted felon can't go into a store and purchase a firearm, but can go into someone's den or living room and do it. I, it just, I, I, I've never understood why the right will not say, you know what, we don't want convicted felons or other prohibited persons possessing firearms. It's already against the law to do it. So why don't we do a better job of enforcing it? I'm hearing more about red flag laws. I, what I'm hearing this time, Brett, there's a line from a movie. I'm probably the only one that likes these kinds of movies. It's a Denzel Washington movie. There are two kinds of pain, the pain that hurts and the pain that alters. And I think my fellow citizens are tired of just hurting. They, they, they don't accept the fact that this is a consequence of living in a free society. And I don't accept that it's a consequence. I think we can do something to keep school children alive who are simply trying to learn to read and write. Uh, wh- where will the change come from? It's going to have to bubble up. I, I think Congress reacts. Rarely does it lead. Uh, they will react when people say we're sick and tired of the status quo.
2: All right. We're going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back after this.
3: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
2: Meantime, uh, January 6th committee is continuing. Chad, we were talking, as far as we can remember, the last primetime hearing was the V.A. hearings back in 2014, 2015, Um, but not really on purpose. Uh, There are other hearings that go into the night that start in the afternoon, including nominations of Supreme Court uh, and confirmation hearings for them. But this is specifically scripted for primetime viewership and said to be put together by a former ABC News president that's looking to do a blockbuster.
0: This is not going to be like your typical Congressional hearing. It is going to be very scripted, it is going to be very programmed, it's going to have segments, it's going to have, you know, certain pieces of video and audio tape uh, play out, they're going to have a narrative there, you know, you go into a lot of hearings, and Mr. Gowdy knows this from his time, uh, you know, here on Capitol Hill, and you know, members have kind of a set of questions and you know the order, but you don't really know what's going to happen on the field. Uh, here they kind of know what's going to happen on the field. And the reason that they're doing this as a primetime hearing is that Democrats Democrats are still trying to break through. Yes, uh, you know, the riot at the Capitol was significant. It was a terrible day for American democracy, uh, but Democrats want to pin this on the former president and those who were associated with him and and, and demonstrate the events that led to this. Uh, They don't think that a price has been paid here. Uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, during a hearing on the Senate side with the Senate Judiciary Committee, Robert Pape, who is a professor at the University of Chicago, Actually, uh, when he was talking about violence and politics, uh, he said that, uh, you know, Donald Trump came out better after January 6th and that there are people who are incentivized politically and even monetarily after political violence like that. And so that's something that this one-six committee is trying to get at uh, to demonstrate this narrative here. When you have people who think about the riot and it mostly falls along party lines, you have those who are loyal to the former president uh, who argue that uh, they should be focused on security problems or maybe the election was stolen or whatnot. You have Democrats who take, you know, 180 degree uh, opposite turn from that. And some Republicans, frankly, uh, you know, you have two Republicans who are serving on this committee. Uh, you can guarantee that you will have Republicans continue to say that this committee is illegitimate Legitimate. And, to be frank, that's not the case at all when you look at, uh, you know, how it's fueled by Article I, Section 5 in the Constitution, a vote on the House uh, floor uh, to actually impanel this committee, subpoena power which was built in to the resolution. These are all the arguments that even, you know, Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, has said this com- committee is not legitimate to even Peter Navarro, who's now being prosecuted for not uh, playing ball with this committee, Brett.
2: Listen, there were 72 court cases um, the Trump lawyers lost on the election um, outcome and the election was certified after that day, even despite that day, as dark a day as that was. Mo, there is this sense that Democrats are in part because of the environment and because of inflation and gas prices and crime and immigration and other headwinds they face are running against former President Trump, and that this is basically that laid out.
3: Well, look, I I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. I think the fact that, you know, you, you continue to have forces, political forces in this country that continue to drive the same narrative that led to January 6th is an issue. The fact that you see... Uh, former President Trump engaging in on this issue in the midterms now, where he is um, promoting candidates. I mean, look at the the, the the just the this past Georgia gubernatorial primary, where he dove right in endorsing a candidate on this issue the the former president is putting it on the ballot and so voters are going to have a chance to weigh in on that in part um while they are also focused on the economy and rising gas prices and that's democrats challenge democrats have to be able to show that they can walk and chew gum if they are only talking about january 6th that's a problem if they are completely ignoring this issue. That's a problem. They have to prove to the American people. And I think there's a way for them to message that, that they are going to move forward and help trying to make the economy work for everyone, bring down rising prices. While the other side, it continues to drive this narrative, continues to drive, continues to talk about the 2020 election. Um, They've had some challenge doing that, but that is part of what I think the party has to do. Let the January 6th committee do its work and the rest of the party continue to talk about the economy and drawing a contrast with Republicans who are not focused on
2: it. Yeah, I get that. But this hearing is not about the 2020 election. This hearing is about January 6th and the events of that day, what led up to it, the
3: which what was alleges all as a conspiracy the 2020 election. about it.
2: But I mean, they're not going to disprove all of the anomalies that are talked about in right wing circles that support Trump. They're not going to go down and and swat away the two thousand mules um, uh, movie. They're not going to do that point by point in this committee hearing. What they're going to do is lay out January sixth. And my point is is that to do a primetime, kind of roll out the red carpet, are they going to have the there there that delivers, number one? And two, do people want to focus on that as they're struggling at home?
3: Uh, Again, I think, look, I think the number one issue on the ballot, the number one issue in the minds of voters is the economy it is the rising cost of of gas and milk. That has to be the primary Democratic focus heading into the midterms. But at the same time, Democrats cannot look away. We as a nation cannot look away when when there is a violent attempt to subvert democracy. I, I don't think voters want to focus exclusively on that. The party should not focus exclusively on that. But to be able to show that there is a way to tackle these major challenges we face while standing up against forces that are trying to undermine democracy, that's an important message. Democrats have to be able to deliver on it, though.
2: Yeah. Trey, did you ever think about doing the Benghazi hearings in primetime?
1: Uh, no, and in hindsight, I wish they had not bled over into uh, prime time. I wish they had ended much, much sooner. Uh, you know, I was thinking about my own experience with underwhelming public hearings, um, <laughs> and, and and so I thought about Benghazi, and I also thought about you know, about you know Robert Mueller, and expectations were so high for that, Brett, so as you will remember. And, and it was it was underwhelming. And I, I think almost everyone, and, and that's not an indictment on the witness, I, I just, I, I think it was underwhelming. So what Democrats have to do, the very first question I got walking out of the Benghazi hearing was, what new did you learn today? And I'm sitting there thinking like a prosecutor, well, you don't wanna learn new stuff. I mean, you wanna know it before you go in, but that's not the way the media works. It's not the way the public works. They want to say, Aha, I did not know that. So the challenge is we had impeachment, too, where a lot of the video was played, and that was much closer in time to the events of January 6th. And I don't know if anyone's mind was changed, Uh, even, even, even with that impeachment hearing that was so close in proximity to the actual events. So the Democrats have to provide something new, and I've always thought their best hope for doing that is, okay, Mr. President, you, you were surprised that the assault began. What did you do once you learned it began? That is the avenue where I think they, if they're going to score any points, they could score points. And then, of course, the Republicans are left saying, you picked all the witnesses. You picked all the questions. There's no one there to cross-examine these witnesses. This is, this is not a fair process. And I think that's the best they can argue this week.
2: Mm -hmm. And Chad, if you're talking privately to people on the committee or around the committee, don't they concede that this is about trying to break the Trump fever with the Republican Party or to, in their words, or to prevent former President Trump from running for president again?
0: When you talk to Liz Cheney, the Republican Congresswoman from Wyoming, that's something that she's been very public about and very concerned about, saying, you know, I don't think that Donald Trump should get anywhere near the Oval Office once again. Uh, As I say, though, it seems as though the die is cast between both sides. You know, there has to be some blockbuster or bombshell or or some sort of June surprise here that uh, that nobody's heard of that uh, connects the dots easily for people. And you might be able to do that again with a, a high-profile hearing. But to back what Mr. Gowdy was saying here about the Robert Mueller hearing and some of the expectations of some of these hearings. I mean, my goodness, I remember with the Robert Mueller hearing and, and just the expectations were so high There was a press conference that Democrats did afterwards, and I asked Eric Swalwell, the Democratic congressman from um, California, I said, well, what did Robert Mueller fail to do in this hearing? And he said, well, if you expected a Broadway show, that wasn't what you were going to get. They need some sort of a Broadway show here, something that captures the attention. Yeah, and, and, and maybe that's – and if they don't, you know, I, I, I kind of lightly joke about this. Again, you know, this was a serious event uh, that happened on January 6th. But, you know, there was a show back in the late 1970s called Super Train that NBC put <laughs> together that they were trying to compete with a love boat. And they wanted this to be it was basically the love boat, but on a train and uh, <laughs> a nuclear powered train, one of the most expensive TV shows ever produced. It was going to be a blockbuster and it went down the tubes after 10 or 11 episodes. And so if they've spent all this time on this and haven't been able to, to break through, it, you know, Super Train is considered to be one of the greatest TV flops of all time. This could be one of the greatest congressional hearing flops of all time.
2: I love ending on that with our own <laughs> gopher Chad, There was a
0: congressman, by the way, Captain to Fred Grandy from <laughs> Iowa. He was yeah, a congressman was. from Iowa.
2: <laughs> oh, so good. Okay, thanks, guys. Now for a bit of history. The Battle of Midway, June 7, 1942. The Battle of Midway concluded as the U.S. defeated the attacking fleet of the Imperial Japanese Navy six months after the attack on Pearl Harbor. Military historian John Keegan called it the most stunning and decisive blow in the history of naval warfare. The U.S. victory was widely considered a turning point in the Pacific Theater, of World War II. That will do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Chad, Mo, and Trey, I'm Brett Baer. Thanks for listening.